Amen. And today I want to talk to y'all guys on the topic of Peter's story. We've been, we've been telling y'all different stories in the Bible of, of people who have encountered Jesus, who've had divine face-to-face encounters with Jesus. We talked about John's story. We talked about Mary's story. We talked about the adulterous woman's story. Y'all remember those, right? Yeah. We talked about um, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's story. We, we, uh, even my sister Vanessa brought her uh, testimony about her face-to-face divine encounter with God. And today I want to talk to y'all on the topic of Peter's story. Peter's story. And I'm really excited about this one because Peter, a little bit about Peter. He's a little crazy. Peter's a little crazy. Kind of like my, my brother-in-law, Peter. Uh, he's the, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, he's a little, a little crazy. He's a little, uh, a little rough. He's a little, uh, he's a fisherman. And, and at this day and age, back then, fishermen... They were socially isolated and they were awkward. They didn't really talk much to people. Um, they were uh, uneducated folks. They were uh, unlearned is what the Bible said. They were unlearned people. Um, they had bad, ma- bad manners probably, right? They just were, were fishing and catch a fish and whatever, just grab a bite to eat and didn't wash their hands. They were kind of like that. Peter was, was that guy. Um, Peter always said the wrong things at the wrong time. Uh, he always had to talk. He talked a lot. Peter was also um, a bit proud and, and also insecure. He cared about what other people thought about him. He compared himself to others. But an amazing thing about the apostle, the disciple, Peter, was he was zealous. He was passionate. He was faithful to Jesus. He was all in. For God. Is there anybody like that that y'all know um, that when they're, they're in something, they're all in? They're either all in or not in at all, right? And uh, he, he, I kind of picture him like being the, the, the friend that you're, you're kind of embarrassed to go out in public with, um, but you also want on your side when you're in a fight. That's, that's Peter right there. He's a little bit about Peter. And Peter's name is actually mentioned in the Bible more than any other disciple is mentioned. And I want to read to y'all starting in a passage in Luke verse five. And like I said, I'm going to be all over the place in the gospels and in actual, actually Peter's book. Um, But we're going to start in Luke chapter five, starting in verse one. When you're there, you can say amen, or you could click to it. Not a lot of people don't have uh, physical Bibles nowadays. All right, so verse one, it says, One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Now listen to this. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let your nets down to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear 
A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus. And listen to what he said. Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied, listen to this. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. So the first point I want to give you all guys is Peter had a revelation of the holiness of Jesus. Peter had a revelation of the holiness of Jesus. Now listen to this, verse eight. He says, and at this time, um, he says, when Simon Peter realized, say that word realized. realized. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, what is that? That's revelation. And, and me to my, in my definition of what revelation is, revelation is divine realization. It's, 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 it's a realization that comes from God. And something about revelation or divine realization is you'll never get divine realization until you have divine encounters with God. And this was a divine encounter with God. This was a divine encounter with Jesus. And Peter had the revelation of the holiness of Jesus. Now, I want you all to get that of Jesus because there were high priests at this time. There were priests and, and the, the, the men who went into the temple and prayed before the Lord. And they were considered holy before God, the high priest. And even on their, they, they had really long, beautiful robes. Uh, they had nice turbans. Um, and even engraved on their turban, it said, holy unto God. But this holiness was, it was a little bit different. This holiness was something that was authentic. See, because it's not about a title. It's not a title that brought Peter to his knees. It was a lifestyle that brought Peter to his knees. And Jesus was just living his everyday life, impacting the people around him. And it brought Peter to his knees. And he had a divine encounter with God. In verse 8, again, it says... This is what Peter, this is Peter's reaction. He says, oh, Lord, please leave me. Imagine that he, he encounters Jesus. He has this revelation and, and he says, I'm such a sinful man. Please leave me. And he's telling Jesus, the son of God, to leave him because he realizes he's a sinful man. But one, one of the things that um, that saddens me the most is when, when there's someone who's coming to church and, and they're, they're following God and they end up leaving church because they've fallen into some, some sort of sin. And they, they feel like they think they had to un, start unfollowing people and, and unfriending people from church. They, they feel like they had to disconnect from God completely, disconnect from Jesus completely because they've accepted themselves as a sinner like Peter here. And they end up pushing Jesus away 
when they see themselves as a sinner. And I believe that could be a lot of people is when, when they end up falling into to some sort of sin, they end up going away from God rather than drawing close to God. And I believe that, listen to this, verse 10, look what Jesus says. He says, his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. But Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. Say that with me. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be fishing for people. And only if those people who have left or people who have fallen, if only they could hear Jesus saying right now is to them and saying, you know, you're a sinner. But I want you to know that I'm a savior and I came to save sinners. It's kind of his specialty, right? That's what he does. He saves sinners. And if only those people could, could hear Jesus say that. And listen to this. I want you to say, hear this because this is good. His holiness is not to push you away. It's to draw you closer. Amen. His holiness is to draw you closer. And um, man, once you realize that, you, hey, I'm a sinner and I need a savior, all you're going to want to do is, hey, get close to Jesus. Get close to Jesus. And that's my prayer today is if you could be encouraged, be inspired to draw close to Jesus because he's holy. And when it's kind of like you are who you hang around with. And if you hang around with Jesus, guess what? You're going to be like him. Amen. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I want to be holy. So I need to get around Jesus. First Peter chapter one. Verse 13. This is Peter. And uh, I encourage y'all guys as homework to go to first Peter and second Peter and read it. It's only eight chapters total. It's, they're, they're short books. But they're super powerful. And Peter's uh, epistle, epistles are actually super practical. He's super straight up and he tells it like it is. So this is 1 Peter 1, 13. It says, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. And those are Peter's words inspired by the Holy Spirit. So Peter had this revelation of the holiness of Jesus. And we must get this same revelation. Amen. Amen. The second point I want to give y'all guys is Peter had a revelation of the power and authority of Jesus. And we can go to first Peter again, chapter three, first Peter, chapter three, verse 22. This is Peter speaking, says now Christ has gone to heaven. So this is after Jesus was uh, beaten and crucified and buried and rose again and also ascended into heaven. So he says, now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God and all say that with me, all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. And all is means everything, leaving out nothing. And that means angels, good and bad. It, it means uh, 
authority, good and bad. It means uh, powers, good and bad, have accepted the authority of Jesus. And Peter had this revelation of the authority of Jesus. Are you with me? Another thing that Peter had the revelation of was human authority or earthly authority. And I'll read that to y'all right now in 1 Peter 2, verse 13. It says, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. So he had this revelation of earthly authority. And let me tell you this, guys. You'll never understand the heavenly authority that Jesus has given you if you don't understand earthly authority. If you're not able to submit to to human authority here on this earth, whether it be a police officer, whether it be someone, uh, teachers, your parents, uh, your pastors, if you're not able to submit to human authority, then you will never understand heavenly authority. And Peter understood this and he preached about it. He lived it. He spoke about it. And, and nowadays, the world we're living in, if y'all watch the news, if y'all watch, I mean, any kind of talk show out there, everybody nowadays is bashing the president. Everybody's bashing this party or that party and uh, even the last president. And nobody has any honor or respect for authority. And that's the world we're living in today is people who are rebellious against authority. And they, they don't understand, uh, not even close to the heavenly authority, but not even the earthly authority. So us as Christians, we can't act like the world and start coming against uh, earthly authority because we'll never understand heavenly authority. Are y'all with me yeah. on that? Matthew 16. This is Peter, and he, this is actually his declaration, and this is Jesus. He actually gives him a name change. This is where he gives him his name, name change. Matthew 16, verse 15 says, Then he asked them, But who do you say I am? And that's Jesus speaking. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. That's revelation right there. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are now Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And all, that's that word again, all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys. What is that? Authority. The keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. In other words, if you learn how to honor earthly authority, then I'll be able to trust you with heavenly authority. That's what he's saying. That's what Jesus is saying. And he's giving him the keys, which is authority here on earth as a believer, as a son of God. I don't think you are getting this. Are y'all getting this? <clears throat> and he changes his name from Simon to Peter which means rock. And I think that's so amazing because Peter was everything and anything but stable. And Jesus calls him a rock. 
And I want to ask you all that today. What has Jesus called you today? What, he, what has he named you? What has he spoken into your life? And you may be in a financial situation. You may be drowning in your finances. And, and, but he has called you blessed. And you may not see that, but that's what he's called you. You may be going through a a marital problem with your spouse. You may be barely making it, barely hanging on, on the verge of a divorce. But what Jesus is saying is what God has joined together, let no man split apart. And he's called you victorious. So what is he calling you today that you're not believing in your life? But I'm here to tell you to encourage you to... To hang on to his promises over your life. Hang on to what he's spoken over you. Amen? So that was Peter's name change. More, a little bit more about Peter. Like I said in the beginning, he loved to talk. Is there anybody here who loves to talk? Or knows someone who loves to talk? <laughs> he was awkward. He said things at the wrong time. Is there anybody here who's a little awkward? Who you, you say things, random things that don't even make sense in the middle of a conversation? Are you to spit out a joke that doesn't make, that didn't fit in, right? That, that was Peter. And I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna show you that. In Luke chapter nine, this is when Jesus took Peter, James, and John and took them up on a mountain to pray. And watch what happens. About... Uh, this is Luke nine twenty eight. It says, about eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, and James up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. Imagine witnessing that. Suddenly, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see. And they were speaking about his exodus from this world which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Then watch this. Peter and the others had fallen asleep, but when they woke up, they saw Jesus's glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let us make three shelters as memorials for one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. What does that even mean? Right? He's, he's over here saying, Master, he's like, let, let us make memorials for y'all guys. And doesn't even know what he's saying. He's half asleep. And I can imagine Moses and Elijah at this point just turning around and like, is that, is that who you had to deal with, Jesus? Is that, who you're, is that your guy right there? And kind of just going back to whatever they're talking about. And, and then they disappear. And it says, um, watch this. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them and terror gripped them as a cloud covered them. Then a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. When the voice finished, Jesus was there alone and they didn't tell anyone. So, you know, you talk too much when God, the father himself has to speak audibly and interrupt you, right? And this is actually an audible voice that they heard. He confirms this later on in his book in Peter. And, but Peter is awkward. He talked, he talked too much. He, he, he was very outspoken. Uh, he, he dealt with pride in his life. 
Um, also, he even rebuked Jesus one time. He was the only person on this earth, I believe, that ever rebuked Jesus. And I'm going to show you all that in Mark 8, 31. It says, then Jesus began to tell them that the son of man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later, he would rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Or in other words, rebuke him or correct him. Then Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples. Then he reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan. He said, you are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. If someone were to call you Satan, that would get your attention, right? Yeah. Especially if it was Jesus saying, get away from me, Satan. You'd be like, oh my gosh, he's talking to me? And I can imagine Peter's response like, oh, it was just like a, a, a he's getting shot, right, by the word. And here he is rebuking Jesus, but he, had, he dealt with, with pride and insecurity. He always felt like he had to speak. He always felt like he had to share his opinion, right? Are y'all getting that? But man, was Peter used by Jesus. Man, he was used by Jesus in an amazing, amazing way. The dude, he knew how to talk, but he knew how to preach. Jesus knew that, hey, this guy, yeah, he can't shut up, but I'm going to use him for my glory. I'm going to use him for my kingdom. And watch, I'm going to turn him into a preacher. And in Acts 2.37, I'm going to set this up for you. This is uh, Acts 2.37. This is when Jesus had already ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit descended on earth. And so everybody was confused. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what to think. Everybody was praying in tongues and everybody was uh, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter says this long message, speaks a long message. You can go back and read it in Acts chapter two. But in verse 37, listen to this. Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? With this message, basically, is what they're saying. And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 40, it says, then Peter continued preaching for a long time. Like I said, he knew how to talk. Strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And listen to this. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. Imagine preaching a message and giving an altar call. And 3,000 people get saved. And the same lips that said the wrong things at the wrong time were the same lips that were used to bring 3,000 people into the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that amazing? Because he continued to have face-to-face encounters with God. He continued to learn about the holiness and the power and the authority that he carried that was from Jesus. In Acts um, chapter 3, Peter begins to perform miracles. And he begins to do, just like Jesus said, even greater works. And see, Jesus laid his hands on the sick and they were healed. But Peter's shadow actually heal people, which is amazing to me. And um, he, he cast out evil spirits. And, and also, uh, apost- uh, I'm sorry, Acts 
3 verse 1, it says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But listen to what Peter said. I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. That's the authority that Peter walked in. The power of Jesus that he walked in to heal the sick, to raise the dead. He had the faith. He had the authority to do it. And he knew it. And in Acts 3, or actually we can move on to the next one. Acts 5.15 says, as a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. Man, it's, it's amazing to me, Peter's story of where he came from and where Jesus brought him. And another great thing that Peter did, he actually walked on water. Y'all know that story, right? Yeah. See, when he remembers when Moses and Elijah were on the mountain and they were probably talking about him, right? They're probably like, oh, Jesus, this is the guy. This is the guy you have that you're going to build your church on. And I wonder if Peter remembered that. And see, Moses and Elijah split the water in the Old Testament. But I believe something in Peter, kind of a little more faith rose up in him. And he says, you know what? I'm going to walk on water. Forget splitting the seas. I'm going to walk on it. And I believe that that's, I feel like that, that's what his mindset was. You know what, Jesus, tell me to come to you on the water. And he did that and he walked on the water. And then also, it, it, I believe that when he probably had those thoughts about Moses and Elijah, like, oh yeah, look at me now. That's when he began to sink, right? And he ends up falling in the water and Jesus has to help him out. But, so he was probably a little cocky, right? He probably, I mean, he was doing good and he got, he got a little bit confident in himself. Um, but he walked on water, but he knew that Jesus had authority over the winds and the waves. He had saw him calm the storms. So he says, hey, if he could do that, why can't I do this? And we should have those same thoughts. Hey, if Jesus rose someone from the dead, why can't we do it? Hey, if Jesus healed the lame man and opened the eyes of the blind, why can't we do it? If Jesus showed grace to the adulterous woman, why can't we do it? And that's what it is. It's the power and authority, the revelation of the power and authority of Jesus. But even more so than all of this that, that Peter did, one of the, the, the greatest revelations is that he had was that he knew that he could use the power and authority of Jesus to impact his family and those around him. And I'm going to show you that here in a second. But Peter was a guy who, who loved a good fight. He actually even slashed off a soldier's ear. Y'all remember hearing about that? 
he, he loved a good fight. He was always ready to fight. Um, in Luke 22, we can read that story. And this is when Jesus was taken in the garden and they were going to crucify him. Luke twenty two forty eight 48 says, But Jesus said, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? When the other disciples saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? We brought the swords. And one of them, which is Peter, because in, in John, it doesn't say it in this gospel, but in John it says that it was Peter, struck at the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. You see, Peter was on the right side with Jesus, right? Yes. Fighting the right cause, but in the wrong spirit. And Jesus was on the right side, but he had the right spirit. And he was able to bring healing. You see, when, you, when you have, you're on the right cause... But you have the wrong spirit, you bring pain to those around you. But when you're on the right side with the right cause and the right spirit, you bring healing to the people around you. Amen. So here Peter is, he's ready to fight. He slashes off the man's ear. He's in the flesh. And it's something to think about, uh, about your situation. Because every day we have the opportunity to impact the people around us, those who are closest to us with the power and authority of Jesus, whether it be your spouse, whether it be your parents, whether it be your kids, whether it be a coworker that doesn't know Jesus at work, you have the power and authority to impact those people. But what are you doing? What are your responses? What are your words doing to those people around, the, around you? Are they bringing healing or are they bringing pain? And I wanna ask y'all this question. Are your words and what are your words and responses doing to the ears around you? What are your words and responses in life doing to the people around you? Because if you're not careful, you'll look up one day and nobody will be able to listen to you because all their ears are slashed off. Right? Because. Instead of responding and using the authority that Jesus has given us, the power that Jesus has given us to bring life and to bring healing, we end up coming in the wrong spirit. And even though we, what we're saying might be right, we come in the wrong spirit and we bring destruction. We bring hurt to people. So we have to watch our responses. We have to watch our words. And listen to this. Peter was amazing at this because first he was bad at it. But watch this in his book in 1 Peter he talks about husbands and wives. And this is what he says to the wives first. He says in 1 Peter 3, it says, In the same way you wives must accept, say that word with me, accept the authority of your husbands. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. Isn't that powerful? Even if someone refused the gospel, he's saying to your coworker or whatever, or your, or your, your spouse that doesn't want to receive the gospel, or your kids that don't want to receive your, your, your correction, whatever. He's saying your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. And in verse 7, in the same way, 
you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. And listen to this. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. So maybe some of you are out there and you're praying to God and you're trying to find a breakthrough, but your prayers are being hindered because of the way you're treating the people around you. Because of the way you're using the power and authority of Jesus in the wrong spirit. And, and Peter had this revelation. And listen to this. Accepting earthly authority brings godliness. And godliness brings healing. And your authority is not to lord over people. Because maybe people are like, hey, I want authority. I want to have a title. I want to have this. I want to have that. But your authority is not to lord over someone. It's the opportunity to show God's power. That's what authority is about. So Peter had the revelation of the power and authority of Jesus. And the third thing I want to give you all is Peter had the revelation of the mercy of Jesus. Now, this one, I want to give you all guys the mercy of Jesus. And this one is my favorite point because a lot of people get mercy and grace mixed up. Mercy and grace are different, but they go hand in hand. You see, mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. And grace is when you do get when you, what you don't deserve. See, that's the difference. And it, it, another way to think of it, um, I deserve to be dead right now due to car accidents but I'm not because of the mercy of God. I deserve to be in the wrong relationship right now and divorced by now, but I'm not because the mercy of God. Amen. Amen. Man, I, I deserve, man, to be backslid, living a shameful life, living in fear, worry, and anxiety, but I'm not because of the mercy of God. Fill in the blank. What do you deserve? Where do you deserve to be right now? And you're not there because of the mercy of God. Some of you deserve to be in prison somewhere. Some of you deserve to be, I don't know, dead somewhere, overdosed somewhere. But you're not because of the mercy of God. So that's mercy. And uh, to me, it's uh, people who keep going back to the same sin over and over in the same cycle, and I've been there before, they need a revelation of the mercy of God. Because when you receive a revelation of the mercy of God, you don't want to go back. Because he saved you from going there. He kept you from falling over the cliff. And when you receive that revelation, you don't want to go back to that. And that was me. I did not want to go back to that once I, re I really received. I encountered his mercy over and over and over. But it was when I got the revelation of his mercy. I did not want to go back. And it's just like the woman caught in adultery. 
she deserved, according to the book of Moses, she deserved to be stoned. She was caught in the act of adultery, cheating on her husband and cheating on someone else's spouse. And they're ready to stone her. They had their stones up, all the, the, the teachers of religious law and the priests. They had their stones ready to, to stone her. And she deserved it because she did that. But she survived. She lived because what Jesus said is neither do I condemn you. See, that's his mercy. And then he picks her up and he gives her a second chance. And he says, go and sin no more. And that's his grace. See, his, see with grace, man, I don't deserve to be preaching here up to y'all with, with, about Jesus to y'all guys right now. But I am because of his grace. I don't deserve to have a, a beautiful wife, two beautiful kids, but I do because of God's grace, right? Amen. I don't deserve to, to be living in a, in a nice house or to have nice vehicles, but I do because of his grace. What has God given you that you don't deserve? Because his grace is... It's the unmerited, the unearned, and the undeserved favor of God in your life. And uh, Peter had this revelation of his mercy and his grace. And I want want to uh, finish off with this, this story with Peter. In his biggest failure, in Peter's biggest failure of his life, he encountered the mercy of God. And I'm going to show that to y'all in Luke 22. This is when Jesus was praying because he was about to be crucified and he was sweating drops of blood. And this is verse 44. It says he prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit and his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. At last, he stood up again. This was for the, the third time and returned to the disciples, which were Peter, James and John, only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. This is the time where Jesus needed Peter the most. And he needed him to pray. And Peter was asleep. And he failed at devotion. He failed at devotion. And see, I want to continue. Luke 22, if we go down to 54... This, this failure at devotion led to something else. I want to show y'all. Luke twenty two fifty four. It says, so they arrested Jesus. They ended up arresting him and led him to the high priest's home. And listen to this. And Peter followed at a distance. How many of us are following Jesus, but we're following him at a distance? And you're like, okay, I'll go to church and I'll do this and I'll do that, but I'm not going to go all in. I'll follow him from afar. I'll follow him from a distance. I'm not going to do what that crazy person is doing up there, but I'll follow him from back here. And he, Peter followed him at a distance. And following him at a distance set him up for even greater failure. And we're going to continue to read that. It says, The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was, the one, was one of Jesus' followers, but Peter denied it. 
He denied being a follower of Jesus. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And suddenly the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping. Can you imagine that? I mean, he denies Jesus three times that he even knows him. And Jesus is there probably beaten already. And he just turns to him and looks at him. Like, is that true, Peter? You don't know me. And I want you all to get this because this is another good point is we deny Jesus as a result of following him from a distance, which is a result of fell devotion. Did y'all get that? Yes. We deny Jesus as a result of following him from a distance, which is a result of fell devotion. And see, Peter, man, this was the biggest failure of his life. But see, Peter was fighting the wrong battle. Peter was ready to fight physically when he should have been ready to fight spiritually. And many times we're not at war when we're supposed to be at war. Because we're not awake when we're supposed to be awake. And God is calling us to, to devotion. He's calling us to face-to-face encounters with him. And we'll never be able to, to pick the right battles and, and fight the right war if we're not fighting first the war in our prayer closet, in our devotion to God. And he, but he encountered the mercy and the grace of God. And this is, I want to read you all scripture from when after Jesus rose from the dead. He was already crucified. Peter went, went away bitterly. He was sad. He was probably depressed. He was probably, man, probably even thought about suicide, man. And Jesus, they crucified him. They killed him. He probably felt guilt. He probably felt shame. He was discouraged. And this is what happens in Mark 16, verse 5. This is when Jesus rises from the grave. This is an angel speaking to Mary. And he says, when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now listen to this. Now go and tell his disciples, and here it is, including Peter. Go and tell his disciples that Jesus rose from the dead, including Peter. And he says his name. And the angel did not deliver that message on his own, but he delivered it from God himself. To involve Peter, to tell Peter that God was going to show him mercy. That he wasn't going to get what he did deserve. And even though Peter deserved death or to be deserted or to be cast out, 
He wasn't. And he was given a second chance. He encountered the mercy and the grace of God. Now, man, isn't that a great revelation of um, the mercy of God, of what the mercy of God is in our lives? And I don't know about you, but I want to pursue God's holiness and his power and his mercy like never before. And the crazy thing is, though, is that Jesus was pursuing me before it even came a thought into my mind to pursue him. And the same thing with y'all guys. And in John 21, I'm going to close with this passage in this story. And it's very similar to the one I opened up with when Jesus called, uh, he, he did the miracle with the fish. And this is after Jesus' resurrection. He was here on earth. John 21, verse 4. And it says, At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, Fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. Doesn't that sound familiar? So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. And I believe Peter's like, man, this is, I've seen this before. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And listen to this. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to the shore to Jesus. You see, in the beginning of the story, he wanted to push Jesus away because he was a sinner. But at the end of this, his story, he ran to Jesus because he knew he was merciful. Amen. And he's merciful, guys. And he loves y'all guys, and he... Man, he wants you to encounter him every day. He wants you to have face-to-face divine encounters with him. And our, our prayer is for you to be, man, to be encouraged to, to go out and encounter the power of God, to go out and encounter the holiness of God, and go out and encounter the mercy of God. Amen? Amen. So let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes at this moment.